0: I knew how to perform before I knew the word for performing, because I was always having to perform. I think when you're told you're something you're not, from the moment you're born, i quickly trying to catch up with all the rules that weren't coming natural to me. I was like, hold on a minute, why is everyone staring at me when I'm painting my nails?
1: something going on Hmm. there's yellow everywhere oh yeah it's very (laughs) weird something's happening with Lindsay and i okay so we see it on the floor right over there i know it's on my new fucking rug it's all over our rug it's like something's happened so there's this yellow neon shit that's on the rug but also on the sofa on the arm and then it's on my left hand and then kristen went home and it's on justin's keyboard it's on my justin's keyboard (laughs) My feet were yes, yellow. I thought I
2: had like jaundice. It's, it's like highlighter. Honestly, I was like, I was worried for my
1: health. I was like, I'm worried for. Is,
2: is it? I, oh, I was I'm like, am
1: Is it? We thought it was the curcumin.
2: I thought it was the curcumin. I thought it was like too much turmeric is like oozing out of my pores. <laughs> it's all over my phone. My nails are yellow. It's fucking nasty. <laughs> when Justin said it was on his keyboard, I was like. This is an issue because he like wasn't a part of whatever I'm doing. I was like, oh, no, no, no. But it's on our rug. It like looks like it's part of the color palette now. I'm like, oh, now we're like bringing yellow into the house. I'm pissed. We'll be able to get it out. Which rug is on?
1: It's on that one, That one. That one. I mean, whatever. It's just annoying. It is annoying. It'll come out. It's weird. Uh, well, I, it's like preparing. Like when I, I always for think, chitlins. like when I have kids, yeah, I mean, game over. I'm literally going to be walking around with a bucket of paint, painting my walls white over the hand marks. Because I'm kind of like crazy about. You just got to plan to live in a dump for like <laughs> 18 years. I remember the the moment that our van didn't smell like kid shit. Fuck! What kind of van? Uh, Toyota Previa. Okay, okay. With bucket seats. Come on.
2: Oh, what was that one? Uh, it was like our neighbors had the van. Had the TV. Yeah. The TV on the middle console and you could get
1: the captains. My dream car at one point was a teal Windstar. Oh. Teal. Sexy. <laughs> that car was the best. It was the best. That was and now you don't see That you it to be vans.
2: like a moving room. Yeah. You know, it's like a room on wheels. Yeah. But now it's like SUVs are,
1: are it. If you see a van you're like, "Huh." Yeah,
2: vans like don't literally don't exist. <laughs> it's so funny. But they'll come back, to be honest. Everything in waves. Yeah. Everything in That's cycles. True. Vans will be back. Probably when we <laughs> probably when it's our time. So true. It's when it's our time we'll be vanning it up.
1: It'll be like a one of those big Mercedes vans that you take yes. to the airport. Yes. Families will be driving in them. I
2: remember I had <laughs> our neighbors had 9 kids and they had one of those vans. Oh, for the children. God damn. Actually, I think they had 11 at the end. When I was like gone, it was like Eleven? nine. Mm-hmm. Very religious. Oh, okay. What do you, are they Church of Latter-day Saints? No, I don't think they're Mormon, but they were just oh. not using birth control. Wow. Yeah.
1: That is, it's like the Duggars.
2: It was very much like the <laughs> Duggars. Like at the end of it, it was like, oh, there's like the youngest, her name was, you know, Elisa. It wasn't Elisa, but whatever. And then it would be like, oh, they had two more and you're like, oh, fuck. You
1: know, like... When you're pregnant with your eldest child, <laughs> meaning like at the same time as your eldest child is pregnant, there is an issue. Totally. <laughs> totally.
2: So excited about this week with another very, very special
1: human. Travis Alabanza is on the podcast today. Travis is a is a performer, writer and theater maker. They are traveling all over over the world spreading poetry, style, political views and their performances you know take risks and make impact. And mm-hmm. we couldn't be more excited to talk yeah. to them today. Travis is such an important voice
2: in this conversation around gender, this conversation around identity, this conversation on non-binary people and really the experience that Travis brings is so beautiful and so touching and they are one of my favorite people to follow on Instagram
1: mm-hmm.
2: at Travis Alabanza. If you guys would like to as well, it's T R A V I S A L A B A N Z A.
1: So good. Um, we know you'll enjoy this conversation. Please join the secret Facebook group. We will be talking about it in there um, as well as talking about a lot of other things in a supportive, enlightening way. Uh, environment so we'd love to have you there thank you as always for listening subscribing rating and reviewing it means the world, the world to us yes thank truly. you so much we'll read
2: one of your reviews on the flip and thank you Travis for being a part of almost 30 nation it mm-hmm. means so much your voice in these conversations with our community is so valuable
1: enjoy we're just so excited to have um, you on. We've been admiring your work from afar for a long time now, and so thank you for making the
0: time. Of course, super excited.
1: Um, we are the Almost Thirty podcast. We just we just start recording right away, so we we do a separate introduction, but just a little bit about us. Um, we started Almost Thirty. Uh, we were inspired by our transition from our twenties to our thirties, and. Um, We knew that what we were experiencing, we couldn't be alone. You know, everyone is going through some sort of transition at any point in their life. Um, So, you know, we've just created a community of just really supportive truth seekers and, you know, they're really excited to hear from you. So I'd love to know kind of who Travis was before everyone knew about Travis mm-hmm. and um, kind of what the trajectory <laughs> that brought you here. Start as early as you want, but we're just fascinated by you as an artist and an activist.
0: Yeah. So I guess for the listeners already realizing is that I'm from the UK, from the accent, um, And I grew up outside of London in a smaller city, but in the suburbs of the city um, with just my mum and my mother. So I grew up on like a housing projects. Um, We grew up really, really poor. We didn't have any access to like any art at all. Me like visioning uh, as an artist was like never really something that I could imagine. I was always a creative kid um, and it was always clothes that I would find like my creative lease for. I remember like a very young age customizing my school in in the UK. We all have to wear school uniforms. It's not just private schools, like everyone wears school uniforms Mm -hmm. and um, I would cut up my school polo shirts and my ties. I would tie them in bows instead of <laughs> ties, and I wear big flared trousers and lots of like big jewelry. So I, I think when my mum was like, "Oh, you are definitely going to be something to do with some of that," career. but I started basically. I found open mic nights. And I knew, I knew I needed to scream about something. I just didn't have a space to do it. I guess it was a mix of of, of hard work, lots of really bad mistakes and bad shots, and luck you No, know, coming in at the right time that meant that now I'm kind of gaining this platform.
1: were your Were your parents always really supportive? It sounds like your mom like kind of saw saw you as kind of the artist yeah. that you are before so. but w- what's your relationship like?
0: My mum, well, we just, I was just back home for a show just on Saturday, actually. It was my mum's 61st birthday. And we were reflecting on it a lot, too, because I think that it built this narrative of my mum up until this, up until like recently, actually, that, you know, she'd always been super supportive, super loving, super caring. And I think it's kind of more, more complicated than that. Like, she definitely loved my creativity and definitely saw that. But I think when conversations had come up about her, there was a lot of confusion. Um, I feel like she only knew what she'd seen in the media, which, so when I said to her that I didn't think I was a man, she assumed that I was going to wake up the next day and suddenly want to have loads of surgery and that I was a woman and I was explaining to her, you know, maybe that might be the case in the future. I'm not sure, but actually this is how I want to look at the moment. And these are the things. So it, she was always supportive of me and my cause. She always said, you know, Hey, whatever's going to make you happy. But I, was, it would be a lie to say that there wasn't a back and forth and that back and forth is still happening. You know, even when I went back from my show this weekend that had just passed, there was still some confusions and some questions, you know, it adds complications where she can, she sees her kid in the paper, you know, and she sees all these other people talking about her kid. I have to kind of catch up. I'm like, what have you read?
1: You're <laughs> <laughs> like, it's good, right? <laughs> How were the reviews? <laughs> yeah. I'm like,
0: yeah. She was like, um, so I saw you in this makeup and I just want to double check. And I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, the- my mom, if she's more concerned that I'm doing the makeup right, rather than the yeah, fact that I'm totally. wearing Totally. <laughs> Love
2: her. She's like, can I borrow that shade?
0: <laughs> um, that's yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> that's amazing. So you, um, growing up then, how did you, it just sounds like, I mean, it's such a, we, you know, we only talked for a few minutes about your story, but were there ever times when you just felt like you just wanted to like give up and not Completely be yourself because it was easier to conform. You know what I mean? Like, what made you always come back to the path of being yourself?
0: I remember that, you know, I was being myself and not conforming to in terms of gender and expecting from the get go. It was, and, and then I think that when I turned 14, I can remember I first experienced my first like kind of queer folk bashing in public on the street. It was in my neighborhood, which was also confusing for me because I've grown up there and I felt really mm-hmm. connected there. And I remember that it was that moment where the bubble kind of burst. And I, I turned around to my friend. And I was like, you know, um, oh, I should have checked before about language I can use in the oh, show. No, oh, no, yeah,
1: you're good. You're yeah. good. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Love they were
0: you, like, um, you know, I was like, hey, I was like to my friend, I was like, hey, you like, that person just called me a faggot. Mm-hmm. And my friend turned around and was like, well, yeah, I mean, duh and I was like oh yeah and they were like what has that never happened to you before and I was like I don't think it has and I think then I was like oh okay this might be something that's that's gonna happen a lot in my life I think I didn't I tried to hide which kind of, even if it was successful or not, still felt like hiding. And even though like my hiding wasn't really very good, <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, hey mom, I'm going out in something like, I'm going out in something a bit like more discreet today. And my mom was like, that's your discreet? Like, <laughs> <can't."> <laughs> uh, She's
2: like, you're wearing assless chaps again. <laughs>
1: yeah,
0: like, like you could hide another person under those flares. And I was like, oh, <laughs> but um, I think, I think there's so many times you want to give up. I think it really depends on the day you know I'm still harassed constantly and I've just been better at dealing with it, but there's still days when I think for me it's always about it's when I'm dating new people that's when i i I, I find it hard it's when I you know I'm saying this because I went on a date this week and I was and we were harassed or I was harassed on the date and then by subsequent they were also you know experiencing harassment for the first time, and that's when I was like, oh, this is like it's tough you know it, it's not every day like an instagram post you know i think that sometimes the way we create social media at the moment is that we we turn everything into a positive everything has to turn into a likeable and shareable feel good yeah. factor and you, that's just not the case you know like and i think it would be completely dishonest to like suggest that
1: how do you deal with that? How do you deal with that street harassment? How do you deal with, you know, if you do get comments on social media or how do you deal with that other person who you might be on a date with? Like, what is that conversation
0: like? Well, the date conversation, I wish I was smoother at it. Um, (laughs) It tends to be like really awkward. I know I get really, (laughs) I get really embarrassed, you know, especially if Mm -hmm. like, and with someone that's really cute and like doesn't maybe have many gender non-conforming friends, I'm like, oh, damn, like, this is awkward. And then they, they're like super, super worried that you're okay and like he was being really kind. But I was like, oh, this just like ruins the like, hotness of like, the flirtation of the date. But then I'm kind of like, well, you know, it's going to happen if, if this person wants to like you, then they have to kind of get to know all those parts. But I feel like the state isn't fun for that. But I, I, I live with three other trans people and for me, that's really important. I live with three other gender non-conforming trans people. And that's a real way of like, uh, we deal with it with humor. You know, I think we come home and we check in how our days have been. And we maybe like make up a different scenario where I like took off my heel and threw it at the person <laughs> and like screamed back. And we make, we make jokes or, or sometimes dealing with it looks like um, not talking about it. You know, mm. I think sometimes it's also about being honest about like, actually, I don't know how to deal with it. And we shouldn't know how to deal with it, you know. And transgender non-conforming people that experience, and we get used to it. But whether or not we should ever learn how to deal with it, because okay. that was it should be normalized, you know. Absolutely.
2: Do you feel like sometimes it's just like annoying because it's like they do the action, and then there you are as like a thoughtful, conscious human, being like, should I teach them? Should I? Approach it with love Should I tell them something That will shut them up Should I It's like you have so many conversations in your head With how you should deal with the situation It's like kind of frustrating Because it's like I didn't want this But here I am like thinking a hundred ways What I should do
0: Yeah Real And I feel like As trans people And gender non-conforming people Particularly We're constantly placed as the educator Even when we we don't want to be And it's like we have to be kind and compassionate in our our response to it. And sometimes you just want to scream and sometimes you want to be, actually I want to fight back or sometimes you just want to ignore it. And I think that, um, what I do now at the moment, it depends what mood I'm in at the moment. (laughs) I'm in a headphones kind of season. So it's just headphones in, carry on walking, smile and wave you know today Mm -hmm. I was in a gorgeous little two-piece skirt and blazer number and I heard someone call me faggot and I could have turned around but I just stopped waved smiled carried on walking I was like that's the kind of mode I'm giving it today Mm -hmm. because it's what you have time for you know I think when it's children I'm very different when it's children it hits my weak spot and especially if parents aren't using that as a teaching lesson for their children then I really stop what I'm doing and I pause and I reach over and I say, I'm really sorry. I'm just going to talk to your child for a moment. I don't know if you were aware that they were staring, pointing and laughing at me. I'm not going to tell them off. I just want to have a conversation. Mm. And for me, that's like much easier because I don't feel like I'm in immediate danger, like physically. And I also think that if you get children, then actually like maybe they're not going to do that in their classroom or they'll bring back their lesson in the school, you know? So children I'm a lot different with. I have time for them and I have space for that learning lesson, but scary men and adults when I'm walking down the street at the moment, no, no headphones. Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I love that about the children because they are, if they're young enough, you know, their subconscious is being formed in those early years. So that's beautiful that like you would take the time to talk to them. So I'm so, there's so much to, to talk about, but how did you get into performing? Was that always, was your like artistic expression always part of you, not only through fashion, but like actually performing and, um, you know, bringing joy to people in that way? How did that, how was that born?
0: I think for me performing, I knew how to perform before I knew the word for performing because I was always having to perform. I think when you're told you're something you're not from the moment you're born, I quickly trying to catch up with all the rules that weren't coming natural to me. I was like, hold on a minute. Why is everyone staring at me when I'm painting my nails? Oh, why is everyone telling me off when I'm like being flamboyant in this way? Oh, I need to perform a certain way to get by. And so I'd gotten really good at performing. And then I remembered there was a school play and it wasn't a Christmas play. It was our first time not doing a Christmas play, like the nativity play, because uh, in the UK, most schools are still like tied to the church, like local schools. And we were allowed to do like a pantomime and there was a witch as one of the roles. <laughs> and um, I said to the teacher, I said, hey, is it just girls like auditioning for the witch? And she was like, it wasn't till now. And I was like, okay, great. <laughs> I would love to play the witch. <laughs> And she was Love. like, are you sure? And I was like, well, I want a fair audition like everyone else, but I think I could really smash this role. And, you know, <laughs> plot twist, I killed it. I really came through. Uh, I really built like a three-dimensional was. witch. Uh, my, witch was, like, you know, my witch had all different sides. She had a real backstory. I really built in. She didn't have many lines, but I really built in as if she was the main role. <laughs> and um, they said, oh, okay, <laughs> they said, okay, Travis, look, you're going to play the witch. And everyone was gagged because my school was, uh, you know, a very working class school. There wasn't any out queer people at the time. You know, I was also like black in this school as well. And I was out here saying, I'm going to be the witch. Uh, and everyone came ready to to laugh at me. But I did such a good performance. So they couldn't stop laughing, but in a good way. And I realized for that moment, that, um, you know, here on the stage was the only chance that I could play out the femininity that was actually the truest thing to me. You know, it was so funny that people were seeing mm. The Witch as a performance, but actually for me, it was the realest thing I'd done ever in my life. And I, and, and I kept on wanting to keep out those moments on stage where I could try out all these versions of myself that um, felt truest. And now it's different because I get to you know, gender expression, how I want to most of the time in in my real life, but I still go to the stage to work out the things that I I can't work out in public, you know, to say Mm -hmm. the things that I can't say in public. And, you know, I get, I'm quite known obviously for like these dramatic stage looks, but for me, those are all the things I would wear on the tube. Like I would hand down wear them, get milk and maybe skits (laughs) if I could. (laughs) (laughs) So London,
2: I love it. And something you mentioned that when you were talking to your mother and your family and kind of even the conversations that, you know, we're having or that uh, people are starting to have, I'd love to talk about, you know, the vocabulary of being trans, of being femme, of being gender nonconforming or non-binary, all of those things. Like, where did you first, where did you like learn how to speak in this way and how to express yourself so that people could understand you know where you're coming from, and then what are what's like a way that we can kind of educate our audience and how to use certain vocabulary.
0: I think it's like really important for me to just say that, like these like words like non-binary and trans and and gender non-conforming. I think they're an aid in so many ways, but we also so have to remember that like we existed before these words too, right? As in like trans people and people that we would now say are non-binary have existed throughout history from the beginning and and i think that's what's missed a lot in this conversation around in the current like media conversation around non-binary identities is people are kind of framing it as this kind of new millennial trend what that really misses out is like Pre-colonization in lots of different places in the continent of Africa, in South Asia, in parts of India, in the Philippines, even going back in, in Greece, there's been histories of people that have said, like, I am not a man or a woman, I'm something else. And so I always start with that to kind of ground this like language that can seem really intimidating. Like I, I think we shouldn't lie that this this new terminology can feel intimidating, you know? And we're all, a lot of people are afraid to make mistakes and, and, and afraid to say the wrong thing. And I, th- I think that sometimes that's useful, but also just contextualizing it in the fact that we're not new really helps me. I'm like, okay, there's been loads of people that are like me that have used other words. I think I found non-binary. Sorry, I'm ranting loads, aren't I? But um, oh, I, think I, I, <laughs> I think I found non-binary on the internet like somewhere around, and it was like on Tumblr. I think, wow, well, it's so cliche, but it was definitely so on Tumblr. <laughs> um, just it's not helping the whole millennial narrative of non-binary. But I, I definitely knew, I knew what I was before I found the word. I, I, I knew that I, you know, I knew that I wasn't a man. I knew that gender made me uncomfortable. And then when I found that there was these people that said, hey, actually like you can just be neither, all of them, none of the above. I was like, oh, I'm breathing lighter. Wow, I can kind of relax. I don't have to have the answer. So I feel like non-binary is really helpful as like an umbrella term. Like it means lots of different things. Like not one non-binary person is the same as someone else. Just like I don't believe one cisgender woman experiences gender the same as the other cisgender woman. I think that always helped me explain it to my family. It was like, instead of building this like kind of big wall between trans and cis, why don't we look at like everyone's gender and realize that everyone is unique. Like I don't believe that anyone is experiencing gender in the same way. You put mm. two cisgender people together, they're not the same woman. And for me, that's exactly the same way I think about trans is that like trans simply just means to, to change li- quite literally. But uh, it just means that you don't identify as the gender that you were assigned at birth and i think the important word that i add especially when i'm talking to feminists is is without consent you know we were assigned something at birth the first in my opinion the first moment we're born there's an act against our consent and we're told we're something without us saying that we are something and trans is just saying hey i was told this thing that i am and i'm saying i'm actually not i'm redeclaring my boundaries for my body and i i think that's why I get really confused when we put, when modern movements pit trans people against feminism, because to me, what feels like at the core of a trans politic is autonomy over our body and consent.
1: Mm, that is beautiful. Wow. Love that. <laughs> How does it feel to be influential? You know, like, oh, yeah. I, I, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I, because you are like, You know, I, you serve as we talk about it on the podcast sometimes as like an expander for, you know, um, not only youth in your community that are quiet and scared and unsure and unable to fully express themselves. Like, what does that feel like? And is there, is that something that's at the forefront of your mind or are you just, you know,
0: living your life? Yeah, really good question. Also side note, like I'm 23. So like, I feel like- Well, you're uh,
1: an old, do you feel (laughs) like you're an old soul?
0: Yeah. 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 It's I
1: feel. Weird. I mean, I didn't. Like I, I didn't, I didn't mean question. you looked yeah. older than twenty three, like when I first p- posed that question, but because <laughs> you look. <laughs>
2: I love that you said <laughs> I'm twenty three. That makes me
1: so happy. You're like I'm twenty three. <laughs> <laughs> but I.
0: But I. Yeah. But at like, that I young
1: have- age, I can imagine it's like a. It's true though. It's Dude, a that's a lot. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, that's why like I have to open like whole com- like any conversation about. I've gotten a lot better at this. I think, like, before I used to hide my age and also hide the nerves. And now, like, maybe it's practice of doing this quite a lot and doing interviews a lot. that I, I, I look at interviews now as a chance to just both of us to, like, find out new stuff about myself. Yes. So now I'm just way yeah. more honest and I'm enjoying interviews way more and I'm having so much more fun doing them because I'm just, like, let me just be honest. Like, I'm 23. Like, no. <laughs> But it means that, like, um, yeah, I have a, I have a real... I, I I do get told I have an old soul a lot. I think like I had to grow up from quite a young age due to like having to work loads of jobs and support myself and all these things. I think yeah, it's scary sometimes, but I also I try not to think about it. I try and just stay authentic to myself and do whatever I was gonna do. You know, I've been speaking about this kind of things before I had thirty thousand people listening or whatever, you know? I and so if I just remind myself, like, what would I be saying if no one was here, then then, then it would be this, that's how I test my authenticity. I think that's the only thing to worry about when this stuff happens is, are you still being authentic to what you want to say? I guess, you know, it's also me as my platform grows, it's just about always reminding myself of maybe some other people that couldn't be having this platform and, and shouting them out to. So this is a good side note. If we're into UK trans voices, Kachenga is an amazing black trans mm-hmm. woman writer. She just wrote an incredible article on Vice about writing to trans prisoners. That's incredible. Charlie Craggs, Monroe Birdgolf, Sean Faye, these are all incredible UK trans voices. I think it's just reminding myself to do that. And as long as I'm still reminding myself that I'm not an individual. Like, I think that's the trap is that social media culture and influencer culture, quote unquote, all these things, try and force us to like really think that we're like this individual thing. And it's reminding myself that I can never succeed as an individual, that the only way I can succeed is with a community. And to keep mm. that in the center of what I do relaxes me, you know? Mm, that's beautiful. Yes,
1: we feel that with Almost 32. It's like, it's not, re- not about us, you know, in the grand scope of it.
2: And for, you mentioned, you know, always coming back to your authenticity. Do you ever remember a time in your life where you were being, where you were being inauthentic to yourself and you were like, oh, that wasn't me. That was some influence or something like that.
0: Yeah. All the time. I mean, like, I feel like this year, even if I'm being honest, it's just been a confronted with a lot of moments where it's like are you doing this because you want to do this or are you doing this because you've been offered this, this and this constantly I I think that I'm having to always remind myself what is this for I think because I never planned to be an artist and I never planned to have this I think something happens when you grow up kind of poor and with not a lot of opportunities around you that like you kind of don't envision that this is possible so for me, when it started to suddenly happen, I was really having to take stock and be like, what are you doing? Are you saying yes because you didn't think this was ever going to happen? And I really had to think about, you know, I've made some, again, I'd be surprised if I hadn't made mistakes in my in my really young career <laughs> um, where I've, you know, said yes to people that didn't have my best intentions at heart. And and I think when you encompass certain identities, especially with a climate, wants to sometimes capitalize on those identities you can get used and you can turn into someone's like advertisement and maybe done that sometimes and i'm like oh this didn't feel good like i didn't feel in control um i didn't feel like i was helping anyone because no one was getting the real me so yeah Um, Campaigns that shan't be named, but definitely a few (laughs) that I'm like, oh, let me delete that post after the contract's gone. (laughs) Literally, you're
1: like, "Mm -mm." so your intuition is Uh, really. Yeah, your intuition's like strengthened. Do you have like kind of that, like, what is your, I guess, spiritual life look like? Is like that. And then also just to like your intuition and your soul, like, what does that look like for you?
0: Yeah. My family's like, part of them is like really Catholic. And then the other side of my family, my mum was a Buddhist growing up. Mm. Um, so there was always like religion in the home quite frequently as I, I was like practicing in some ways, but like not really. For me now, it's really important that I have mindfulness when I'm doing things, that I have like 30 minutes in the morning when nothing is on nothing is around and I don't look at what my plan is for the day. I don't care who's emailed me my schedule. I just sit there and breathe and think about what I did this last week and what I want to do the next week. And that's really important for me. I think my friends are just my spirit, like checkers, like they Mm. keep me so grounded and they, are not wrapped up in this world that can surround you. They're just like, Hey, like we know you and we want to check that this is what's doing for you. So sometimes like, again, it's about rooming the individual. My intuition isn't just my own intuition. I trust my friend's intuition surrounding me. And just like I would, they trust me to guide them. Part of me breaking down this idea that I'm an individual is also being like, well, my friends have a stake in my choices too. Just like I have a stake in theirs. So you know, how often, it's not uncommon for me to ring up a friend and be like, this is happening. What do you think? And they'll be like, how sleepy are you? I'm like, very sleepy. They're like, don't do it. And I'll be like, I trust you. I'm not going to do it. I hang up (laughs) and that was intuition because I didn't have the energy for that intuition that day.
2: I love that. It's a great reminder. I love that. For the open mics that you did, um, like what was your first open mic? You know, how did you, like, what were you like? Hi, I'm going to talk (laughs) about this. Like, what was that like? (laughs)
0: You're like, I'm going to do the witch
2: oh, again.
0: <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, I don't know if you heard, but I did this witch three years ago really well. I'm going <laughs> back. crazy. <laughs> <laughs> my open mics were awful. I was so bad. I was goddamn awful. And I remember bringing my friends. I would have to bring my friends. Like I would pay them in like, you know, we were 15, but we were underage drinking in, in these open mics. I'd be like, I will buy you like two bottles of wine if you come here with me to his open mics, so my friends were like really two bottles I was like yes so, so I had to persuade them to come to the open mic because it was so bad and my first open mic performance oh my god I was like maybe the youngest in there by like a good 40 years um <laughs> and <laughs> and there was a priest I kid you not there was a priest and like an ex priest in the room a group of like quite stereotypical um hippies and then a, a mother's group in room two <laughs> and i was like damn where's all the young why's all the young people like again i was in the suburbs so like it wasn't really like a kick-in spoken word scene <laughs> and i was like hi like my office, and i had to lie i was like i'm 18 years old <laughs> because that's how old you have to be to get into the bar and i'm gonna do a poem about oral sex and everyone no! was like oh. amazing <laughs> do <you> share <laughs> and it was so it was so bad like awful but you know i think in standard wise, people were just excited to have anything that wasn't about like flowers and rivers so i was like yeah that's <laughs> wait was but it like, bad you know, because you this, did, like, very...
1: was was it bad because you didn't get the reaction you wanted I, i'm
0: sure it was good no i was bad ah! i mean i'm i was i was bad <laughs> audience was bad really uh-huh. it was just a lot of bad I also like had adopted this quite like you know that cliche spoken word voice where like everything sounds syncopated with like, oh. and was, like <laughs> yeah it was very bad you're like sucking the dick like, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> literally and I was like and you know I just my friends being like yay expression and I was like <laughs> okay <laughs> Don't believe it. Um, you know, I yeah, but it somehow I think I found something in between there and I found how to to work, but it was definitely awful, but I kept on going. Someone from a theater saw me there and was like, "Hey, this person looks like they're really good. Put me into some like theater classes." You know, it was it started out bad, but um things changed. They got a bit better. <laughs> a tiny bit. <laughs>
1: As they do. I feel like if it was really good off the bat you might have flatlined, you know.
0: Mm. <laughs> it, exactly. My peak was definitely not fifteen. Maybe the poem will have a reprise. I at some love point. that it was
1: oral sex. Yeah. <laughs> oh
2: my oh, yeah. god. Literally. The priest is like it was so- a boner.
0: <laughs> yeah, the priest was wild. <laughs> the priest was wild. I mean the group of mums were the most shocked, but it was like, you know, a lot of my early work was like all like as trying to be as vulgar as possible. Uh. It was very you know, it was like shock factor. Like, look, everyone, like I'm having like, sex that I'm probably not allowed to like have and it's going to be shunned. It was very like in your face. I'm like, so yeah.
1: <laughs> What's your creative process like?
0: At the moment, it's hard because I'm in the middle of making a new theater show that comes out in October. And um, now, unfortunately, my creative process is is clouded with like, well, um, not on, you know, pros and cons with lots of other in the room. Now I'm working with teams and theatres and and a lot bigger places. It's hard to sometimes pause and have remind yourself of what your creative practice was without other people in the room. But I'm often, I write all the time on public transport. That's where I make most of my work is like the first draft is always on my phone on public transport. And I did that when I was younger and I still do that now. It's just where I put all of my motor thoughts. And then I'll normally try I'll forget about it. And then I'll get into like a deep conversation with a friend and remember that I'd written this thing down and try and like bring it into the conversation somehow. And then that's like my first time performing it, like improvising it there. Mm. And then I go back to it and like re-edit. But for me at the moment, it's about collaboration. So I'm like working with lots of great filmmakers and animators and choreographers and just ways of like bringing in more people in the room. But I think it's lots of practice. And then on stage, I'm kind of... Everything goes out the window. And I just like... I'm pretty known for a lot of improvisation, a lot of (laughs) off-the-cuff things and stuff like
1: that. I
2: love that. I love that. beautiful. Can you talk about before I step outside and tell our listeners about Mm -hmm.
0: it? Yeah. It's my first poetry book. um, And I'd written it a year and a half. Just over a year now ago. And it's compiled completely on public transport on my old iPhone that's no longer with me. It was basically for me of trying to build a living artifact that could document that I survived outside, that could document that I had existed in public. Um, It happened after someone threw a burger at me in broad daylight. Someone threw a piece of food at me and called me a tranny. And for me, it was a real pausing moment of like, you know, we talked about it earlier in the interview of what happens when you can't deal with it. And it was one of those, this is a lot. So I've got two options. I'm going to either give up or I can need to do something. And I was like, okay, I'm going to make this book. And it was never meant to be released. I was just going to write it and send it to a friend. And then I sent it to the friend and my friend was like, "This this needs to exist somewhere. So I was like, okay, but I'm, I'm not bothered about finding a publisher. I don't want to do any of that. I don't want to commercialize it. Let me just release a couple copies and see what happens. And then we released like some copies and everyone was like, it went in like a second. And I was like, okay, I feel like people need this. And it kind of became like this, this self-publishing kind of baby of mine has, um, I've been really lucky has taken me like around Europe. And a, we did a book tour in the States with it just by myself in April. And it was, it's beautiful. It's, it's, for me, you know, it's it's weird because I'm moving on to new work now, but it was so important at the time to just say that I existed. You know, I survived. And I felt like in the UK specifically, I know in the US there has actually been some literature about this before, but in the UK I, I was typing up, you know, before I'd made this book, I was like, I didn't want to make this book actually. I wanted to find a book that had already done this. I was remembering after the moment of being harassed, I was typing up. On all these archives, like can I just find a book that's talking about this? And I couldn't. And so I feel like in the UK it's been a real important archiving of there's so much discussion about trans bodies, trans surgeries, um, trans before and afters, all these things, but there wasn't like, what does it mean just to like walk outside? You know, things mm-hmm. in these conversations about bathrooms and pronouns, whereas people are being having food thrown at them, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. What has it been like to travel the world and how are, you know, gender nonconformists accepted or not in different places? I
0: feel like the sad blanket truth is that you experience violence everywhere, but it's definitely different in places. When I was in Copenhagen, Everyone was definitely having an issue, but they were just too scared to say anything. They were just too polite. So they just like kind of stared and then like bowed their head and you just carry on walking. And I was like, okay, this is fine. Um, but then, you know, Texas was a whole different story. You no? Know? Yeah. I mean, I thought, I mean, I'll never forget on the US tour, I did like 23 shows in 30 days and I wow. was excited for Miami. It's like, oh my God, I'm going to Miami. I can't wait. This is amazing. Then I get my plane ticket. And I'm like, why does it say Ohio? And I found out I was going to Miami University oh. in Ohio.
2: Oh honey, that's where I went
1: to college. <laughs> that's where Krista That's where, went. where I went Just to Snow college.
2: Ohio. Yes. Oh my I god. Did
0: a, I did a
1: keynote. Hi, ride. you want to talk shit?
0: You can talk shit. Hamilton,
2: <laughs> Ohio?
0: <laughs> yeah. So I went into the keynote at Miami Miami University there, but I thought I was going to Florida. So I was so oh, excited shit. and it and I got, you know, I will never forget, I got off and my driver picked me up and he just took a look at me and said, you're not from here, are you? And I was like, no, I'm not. And I just carried on walking. I mean, it was the same when I was, I was in Maine. I was doing a, you know, a Colby, is it Colby in Maine? Yes. And um, I was on a five seater, like commuter plane, call it, but it would just be tiny going up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the person next to me had a Trump sticker on and I was in... A latex two piece, um, with a big fasten, like fascinator. And I just looked around at them all and I said, I'm glad it's only an hour flight. <laughs> and <you> know, <laughs> oh my God. Just you what, know, that is there were so many moments where it was just surreal. And I feel like so often um I could talk so much about the violence, but sometimes I want to sit in the surrealism. Like Surreal, so surreal. Yes, because actually, like to incorporate this body means that you have such wild experiences. None of them you're asking for, but they just you know come to you. Miami, Ohio was definitely one of them.
2: <laughs> oh, honey, like what was that like?
0: It meant a lot because I, I this is tour so funny. The was very odd because it wasn't from a publishing house. You know, it was all done for me and my team. So you know, some of the shows were huge and like big, uh, big venues looking after you. And some you would like have like two queer people that just like raise some money to bring you there, Right. And both are great for different reasons, but you never knew which it was going to be until you landed. I remember turning up to Miami, Ohio and being like, okay, the driver's like asked where I'm meant to be. I'm like turning up, everyone's looking at me. It's pouring down with pain. This is going to be interesting. And you know, I did a talk to maybe like 30 queer people, which was like my smallest audience in the whole tour. And it was so special. They took me out. um, What was the special food, the cuisine that they eat? It was really weird. I Um, love that
2: you like want to call it cuisine. It's a chili cheese dog.
1: Oh, (laughs) yes, yes. I yes. am obsessed with they you like-
2: that you called it a cuisine. <laughs> it is a fucking chili cheese dog. That is the last meat that I ever ate. So I haven't eaten meat in 15 years. That was the last meat I ever ate. Oh I had a chili God. cheese dog and was like, I'm done with this.
0: <laughs> yes. I, I don't blame you. It was really Nasty. Bad, but I, bad. But I, but, I, but I would promise myself that every stop, I would try like what they suggested. And, you know, it was really cute. These like, I felt like it was the youngest audience my tour as well. Like, even though they were all maybe same age as other college students, they felt really young. And there was just 30 of them. No one else was interested that I was there. You know, the other campuses had a few people that were, you know, a few followers that were really excited. Here was no one. And it was just really special. Like, it was, you know, I went straight back to my hotel afterwards. <laughs> but <laughs> but it, was really, it was a really special gig. But when I left Ohio, I was very much... Oh my God, I left out the worst part. Um, Because I thought it was Florida, I booked an extra day to relax. And it was like my day off on the tour, but I was in Ohio for my
1: (laughs) (laughs) What'd you do? Do you have a pool here? Oh my God. (laughs) I just... Stayed I in I stayed room.
0: in my hotel and just ordered room service. Good choice, honey. Oh my
1: honey. God, that is hilarious. You're
0: like,
2: I'm here to spread a message uh, from 7 to 9 p.m. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh my God, yeah. that is so funny. Love, that, that's after my own heart. My my, I got out. <laughs> you said that you create, like, sometimes your inspiration comes from, like, a need. Like, what is meaning a need in society to, to experience this art and the message, what is like your next, you you kind of mentioned the next project, but what is, can you give us a little insider info?
0: At the moment, my need is still pulling to people to understand gender nonconformity. And it feels like it's still like, really, I just need it. You're right. It comes from this need. It's like I believe that art is a form of activism. It's a form of way of creating an accessible way for people to understand you. And unfortunately, I think so much violence comes from people not understanding. And that's not to give them a a free ticket off. So I'm still trying to make art for people to to realise that we exist. And so what I guess I mean in that my new feeler piece is different is that before I step outside and my body of work for the last year has been so much focused on trauma and that in the way to communicate this message, and I guess from touring that so much, I'm now really looking at satire and and comedy and what it means to kind of not give the audience your trauma and instead flip it around on the audience. Uh, so my new show um, is called Burgers, and it's mm. actually kind of like a game show, and it's kind of about complicity and complicit com- being complicit, and because um, when the burger was thrown at me, it was in. The middle of the day and it was on a really busy main bridge in london and no one did anything and so this show is actually inviting wow. the audience into this theater room and it's kind of setting them up for a game show and seeing when we decide as an audience to stop and so i guess it's still talking about similar things it's still asking the same questions in my work but i'm trying to find new ways to communicate it um, Because I think we're so used to seeing trans people just talk about all the horrible things that happen to us and actually become really easy because then we're like, wow, they're so inspiring. They're so brave. They're so strong. And I guess now what I'm looking for in my work is like, and do you have to like me in order to want me to be free? Do you have to think I'm kind to want me to be free? Like, should we also want the messy trans people, the boring trans people, the trans people that can't give you this inspirational speech to also be free, you know?
2: Yeah, that is
0: good
1: Yeah, one. yeah. We want to go to Burgers. Yeah, we should... When, yes, it com- well, when is it coming gonna, out? October?
0: It, yeah, so it's coming to the UK in October. Uh, but I think in 2019, it's definitely going to be in the US somewhere. Great.
1: With, Come to LA. Like, yes! Yeah,
0: it'll be back. We would love to see. Yes, I am I think I think it's happening. I can't, it's so annoying having to be like, I don't know, no, but I'm, like, I'm going to be in a light pool. Yeah,
1: you will. <laughs> okay, great. So how can people best connect with you? Mm-hmm. Where can people see your
0: work? Too? Um, oh yeah, I forgot this is going to be like all these people who are like, I podcast are sound weird, aren't they? Because people like, like isn't it to weird? to bed, like in the car and like, They don't know you, so they like won't even know what I look like until they like that's gonna be interesting too. (laughs) Um well you can always connect I feel like Instagram is like the most personable place they can connect me. It's the most like instant, it's the one I'm on, so Travis Alabanza. Um but also like my website. You can just go, you Google. know what, after this podcast, turn it off, <laughs> Google Travis Google Google that ignore the mean articles and find the ones that are by me.
1: No. <laughs> yeah, they're beautiful. And, and also, YouTube. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes um, um,
0: Yeah, I'm sure YouTube I haven't looked on that in a while But I'm mm-hmm. sure that'll be alright too <laughs> yes.
1: Well, thank you so much for making the time At
0: 11.45 I know, honey
2: wow. You're a gem, so late
1: <laughs> We truly are so grateful I have so much fun You're the best And we can't wait to meet no, you We will so meet chill. you it when we're so here chill.
0: in LA Aww.
1: Yes <laughs> It's well, our, the
0: you're, you're the best. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you so much. Our community is so excited to connect with you. So get ready. Almost 30 nations coming for you. They love to connect. Oh so they I will be. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> All right. We love you. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you, sweet one. Have a good night.
0: Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. You're so good welcome. Bye.
2: Bye.
1: Such a good one. Thank you Beautiful. so much,
2: Travis. Um, please join the secret Facebook group to talk more about this. Mm-hmm. We would love to continue the conversation in another um, one of the podcasts where we explore um, gender is the one with a loke. So mm-hmm. if you search a loke on iTunes, you can find our podcast with they there. Mm-hmm. And wanted to share a review of the week. So these reviews are, couldn't be more grateful for when you guys share with us how this podcast has impacted your life or how one of the guests has impacted your life. And these really help us to bring on great guests, help us to continue conversations that are important and that are valuable and that are changing the world. So thank you so much. Here is one, five stars. There aren't enough stars to properly rate this. I don't listen to podcasts, but my best friend said I had to give this one a chance. She was referred to this podcast by another friend and couldn't stop raving about it. So I gave it a listen and now I can't stop sharing it either. These ladies take a long look and talk about everything from hormones, sex, being a woman entrepreneur and using safe cleaning products. We get to sit back and learn about it all. What I love about them is that they ask questions we want answered. I swear it's like something I've said, thought something aloud to myself. And hear them asking the same question, not even a minute after me. Mm-hmm. I love their enthusiasm. Every episode is jam-packed with interesting conversations and really good humor. I really can't say enough how happy I am. I'm listening to and learning from the Almost 30 podcast. Thank
1: you, sweet Gumby 12. Oh you know, when you feel like you're in someone's brain, like, have you ever like been in that situation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know what you mean. So I'm glad that we're connected
2: like that. With all our girls. It's like, truly, like literally, I'm like, how are we like, like at all the events when I meet everyone, I'm like, how are we like laughing like this? They're the funniest, like so funny. So I'm like, funny. Oh, they just get it. Get it. <laughs> and they're just like so open and sweet and like, willing to express emotion without shame and I mean you guys are insane seriously yeah. insane so thank you so much and really quick to the your podcast pro course so if you want to start a podcast maybe you have a business that you want to promote maybe you want to bring on conversations with amazing experts maybe you have a passion for knitting and you want to help people mm-hmm. learn to knit yes um, we can help you to launch market grow brand Start a business around your podcast, go to your podcast pro. So Y O U R podcastprocom And you can sign up for the course, or you can get a bunch of marketing materials and, you know, resources. If you want to
1: start a podcast, mm-hmm. we can't wait to work with you.
2: Can't wait. All
1: right. Have a great week.
2: Have New great year, week. babies. New year, baby. Let's do it. Love you.